We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. You ready today to receive the word? Take your Bibles, open with me. Today the message is entitled Summer Slams for Fathers. Mended. We're going to get mended today. How can I live with confidence? I mentioned this last week and had a lot of people go, Pesh, you gotta, you got to keep preaching on this confidence thing. How can we live with confidence today? That's the question. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. I want you to read this out loud with me. It'll be on the screen. You have it in your, your phones, your Bible, whatever it may be. Read this with me. Being confident of this. There's a lot of things in life I can't be confident of, but I can be confident of this. That He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God never starts anything He does not finish. On the cross, it is finished. He started something in you. And he won't stop till He finishes. Father, we bow our hearts and we bow our heads right now in Your presence. God, in the next few minutes, I want Your Holy Spirit to speak into every heart that is here today. But especially the heart of dads, of the hearts of fathers, the hearts of men who are here today. It is often said that, that a woman's life and being a mother is so hard and complicated. So is a father's life. So is a husband's life. I pray today that you speak to these men, these fathers that are here today. Teenage boys, speak to our hearts today through the Holy Spirit. That God, that you would mend us. That we would be men who have been mended by the Father. That God, that you, which have started a good work, will bring it to completion. In your precious name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. Get ready. Today I want to turn my attention to Mark chapter 9. A father, a father who loves his son, a father who has a passion for his family, is bringing his son to Jesus. Mark chapter 9 verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. Don't you love a good argument? As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. And here's what Jesus said. What are you arguing with them about? A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Wow, they could not. Here's what Jesus responds. You unbelieving generation. I wonder today, are we in a generation of unbelievers? How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? And then he commands, bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, I love it when people see Jesus, and now the Spirit sees Jesus. When the Spirit 
saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy, Father, how long has this been going on? He said, from childhood. It has often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus. If you can. Everything is possible for one who believes. Can you believe that today? Everything is possible. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. He stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciple asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come only about by prayer. Wow. Prayer is the key to the kingdom. Prayer. So we find this scene. Jesus has been on the mountain. He comes down. He's up there with three disciples, Peter, James, and John. They're on this mountain. He comes down and he immediately finds chaos, controversy, and conflict. I mean, he walks right into the middle of those things. I am glad that God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, walks right into the middle of chaos, conflict, and controversy. Aren't you? Because if He does not walk into the middle of all that, He would never have walked into my life. He would have never walked into your life. Because in our lives before Jesus, there was chaos, controversy, and conflict. But Jesus walks right in to the middle of all that and he begins to talk. Now the scribes have always been a point of conflict for Jesus. They are always trying to trip him up. It's their continual characterization throughout the whole New Testament. The scribes are always, well, well now you're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath, right? You're doing that kind of stuff. You're not supposed to do this and you're not supposed to do that. And they were always concerned about trying to trip him up. Have you ever been attacked by people who know the word but don't know the word? <laughs> I've been attacked by a lot of people who know a lot about scriptures but they don't really know the word. Listen, just because you know the word doesn't mean you know the word. The scribes and the Pharisees, they knew the religious, they knew the word, but they didn't know they were standing in front of the word. They didn't know they were standing in front of the one who is able to do something. They were too deep. You ever met those? They're too deep for the regular regular believer. They're too spiritual. They see more than everybody else in the church see. They see more than the pastor, more than the board, more than everybody else. Because they're, they're so caught up in how they worship, they don't even know who they worship. They're so caught up in all the forms and all the traditions. And this is how we've got to do it. This is the way it's always been done. Instead of all of a sudden saying, hey, wait a minute. We need to know who we're worshiping today. We've got to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We've got to know the Word. I don't want to just read about it. I want to know the Word. I want the Word living inside of me. I want today to worship the Word. He came right down into all this. 
It reminds me of another scene. Remember Moses up on the mountain? Had a powerful experience with God and it defies, defies theology. He's in this powerful, powerful moment and Moses comes off the mountain. I mean, he is so full of the Holy Spirit. It's overwhelming. He, he walks down and finds a scene, right? People are running around naked, worshiping an idol. How many of you know you just can't leave everybody in charge? Some people you just can't leave in charge. So Moses goes over and goes, hey, 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 what's going on? What happened? And well, Moses, uh, you got to understand, uh, while you were gone, uh, the people, you know, I, I want to make sure I please the people. And so they all wanted to do this. So I said, okay, and, and, and here's kind of the way it started. Uh, somebody's ring fell in the fire and kind of melted. They go, oh, we should do something with that. And then more people's rings just fell in the fire. And all of a sudden, out popped this golden calf. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> Listen. You just can't leave anybody in charge. Have any of you ever said, I wish I could find somebody that I could leave in charge with something for just a little bit in my life? I wish I could find somebody who keeps things going in the right direction while I'm out of it for a little while. Listen, Moses thought he left the right man in charge, but not everybody can be in charge. Jesus and Moses, they went from a high place directly into the valley and found controversy, chaos, Conflict. And when Jesus comes down from this place of this Mount of Transfiguration, the first thing he does is he finds nine disciples who have been caught without Jesus. He finds nine disciples who, who are in this whole chaotic, angry mob scene. And, and he comes in, and I love Jesus. Because he does something that we should all expect him to do and we should all do for him. But he stands up for his disciples. And he walks in and looks at the scribes. Well, what do y'all argue with these guys about? He stands up for them. He defends them. He gets between them and the scribes. and goes, hey guys, what do y'all argue with them about? Man, has, has Jesus ever stood up for you? Has Jesus ever stood up for you? protected you? Now, I can't tell you how many times that he's protected me and my family and he's come to my rescue when the enemy was attacking. Then Jesus steps in and goes, what is going on? He stood up. He spoke up for the disciples. And so on this Sunday morning, i got to tell you, man, I'm so full of the Holy Spirit. I just got to ask, is there anybody in the house today who would say, I'll stand up for Jesus. I'll stand up and give a testimony today. I'll be the one to defend Him. I'll be the one to say, hey, wait a minute. I know the Word today. I know who He is. I'm not ashamed. I'm going to be the one today. I'll stand up. I want to say thank you, Father, for the many things in my life, for the many times you stood up for me. He's my protector. Now the boy needs to be fixed. Something's wrong. And nothing they are doing is working. What good is it if it doesn't work? What good is it if it doesn't work? What good is it to have beautiful buildings? What good is it to have great singing? What good is it to have someone who can speak? What good is it to have fellowship if it doesn't work? 
I mean, they are so faithful to something that is not working. They have been kind of like the guys on Mount Carmel. I mean, they're, they're over there. Can you imagine? You ever been to one of these deliverance kind of services? I've been to them. And, and, and I've been to a lot of them that don't work. And they're, they're over there shaking them. I'm not making fun. It's really happening. They're shaking them and, and they're, they're jumping around. And, they're doing, and it reminds me of Mount Carmel. And God's not doing anything. And it's not working. And they'll stay faithful to that for, for hours and hours. Because they saw somebody else do it that way. Listen, we're not here to do it because somebody else did it that way. We're here today to do it. Why? Because Jesus has not left us. He is with us today. Those nine disciples got caught without Jesus. And then it wasn't working. Reminds me of the woman with the issue of blood. Remember that? She tried everything. This father has tried everything. This woman with the issue of blood, she tried everything. She went to every doctor and she was faithful. She did everything they told her to do. She spent all of her money, the Bible says, and nothing worked. She was faithful to something that didn't work. And finally she says, I've got to touch Jesus. I've got to touch Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that's going to work. I just got a feeling that there may be a house full of people this morning who came to Father's Day service. I'm not here for the singing. I'm not here for the preaching. I'm not here for the fellowship. I came today because I've got to touch Jesus. I've got to have something in my life that works. I've got to have something that works. I'm tired of the Program, a 20-step program, a 30-step program. I'm tired of doing this and that. I need something that works. And today, church, we are needing things that work in the church. Into all the chaos, the controversy, Christ enters. Wow. He enters right in the middle of it. And I want you to understand and consider the contrast. Of what's going on. Jesus took three disciples. Peter, James, and John. Up on the mountain. It's called the mountain of transfiguration. It's the mountain of change. It's the mountain of metamorphosis. It's where Jesus went up. Those three. And in the middle of all this scene. On top of the mountain. All of a sudden. Moses shows up. Remember Moses? He's the guy that stutters a lot. He was the guy on the backside of the desert. God called him to leave. And he said, wait a minute. No, 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 me. And God goes, yeah, you. Because I want to do something that works. So God called Moses. Now this is the dude that when, they, when, the, when the witches threw their staff down and turned into snakes, he goes, oh, that's a display of your power? Watch this. He threw his staff down and his snake ate their snake. Okay? That's, the, that's a bad dude right there. Something's working. Yeah. You get out there to the waters that seem to be unsurmountable, uncrossable. He says, hey guys, follow me. Watch this. And he steps out in this thing, waters part, lifts that rod up. I mean, miracles are happening. Why? Because God is in the middle of it. What God does works. Whenever he dies, Satan and archangels fighting over his body. This is a big time dude. He shows up. I mean, that's a pretty awesome moment. 
Moses is talking. And if that's not enough, I mean, now we got Elijah stepping up. Elijah. The guy who's been a part of all these miraculous moments. I mean, the guy who represents uh, what will be. Moses represents what was. He represented the past. Elijah steps on the scene and he represents what will be. And then you got Jesus standing there, says, you know what? I'm not what was or what will be. I am the I am. All of that's happening and it's powerful and it's worshipful. And, and man, all of heaven has come down. And man, it's all powerful and great and it's awesome and wonderful. And then, and then one of them says, hey, let's build a tabernacle. We don't need a tabernacle. We need an experience. We don't need to build memorials. We need to have somewhere where somebody can have an experience. So they come off the mountain, and then here you got an angry mob screaming and yelling at the disciples. They're over here doing something that's not working. Come out, please. Please, the mob's getting angry, the scribes are getting them all riled up. And, and there, in the middle of all, a church fight breaks out. You got some super spiritual people. Then you got the disciples. Anybody ever been in the middle of a church fight? They're the worst. They're the worst. Church fights are ugly. You know why? Because they don't fight fair. Man, they use scriptures against you. You can't go against scriptures. They got the word thrown at you. They'll, 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 they'll talk about your wife, your kids, kids you don't even have yet, your dog's not spiritual. I mean, it's a fight. Nobody wins. It's ugly. And Jesus comes down in the middle of a church fight and breaks up and says, what are you arguing about? What is going on here? Listen, we got to all get together in one mind, in one heart, in one place before God can do anything. What's going on? He steps up and begins to break up this church fight. It's gotten ugly. Real ugly. There's no limits in a church fight. And Jesus rebukes them for wasting time and not wanting a relationship. This is a faith issue, not a form issue. This is not having a form of godliness. This is a faith issue. What are you arguing about? Well, the form's not working. We did one, two, and three. We anointed him with oil. We, we laid hands on him. We prayed for him. We shook him. We did everything. And it's not working. You know why it's not working? Jesus is not there. It's not working because Jesus is not there. What are you arguing about? And here's what the Father says. He says this to Jesus. If... You can do anything. If. Now we just noticed that Jesus spoke up, stood up and protected the disciples, right? That was the perfect moment for one of these disciples to jump in front of Jesus. If he can do anything, are you kidding me? Dude, just last week he took some fish and some loaves broke it, blessed it, prayed over it, and fed 15,000 plus people. If he can do anything, dude, I was that one night on the river, on the water, on the lake, and he came walking on top of the water. And you're looking at him saying, if you, 
that would defend you. They said nothing. It's quiet. Church mice quiet. If you can do anything, I mean, it's like the man's almost being sarcastic. Well, if you could maybe talk with him. Maybe you could do some one-on-one -on -one counseling with Jesus. Um, maybe you could help him with some mental issues that he's having. Because maybe, is there some kind of medicine we've not really checked out yet? If you can do something, why do we always put the onus on Jesus? We do that. It's our natural fleshly thing. We say things when we get in trouble like this. God, if you love me, if you care, God, if you're real, if you're real, God, we always put the if on God. If, if, if. And here this man puts the if on Jesus. I got to tell you, there are no ifs on Jesus. Never. The if is on us. Jesus said, hey, it's not if I can. It's if you can. I have no lack of power. I have no inabilities. There is nothing that I can't do. I have the power of life and death. I have the power to heal all manner of sickness and disease. I have the power to make the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf to hear, the mute to talk, even the dead to be raised. I have the power. The onus is not on me. Don't put the if on God. The if is on you and the if is on me. He looked at the man and said, it's not if I can. The question is, if you can. Why? Don't you love it the way Jesus cuts right to the core of the problem? It's not if I can. He says, I can do anything. All power has been given to me. There is nothing that I lack. But the question is, can you believe? He gets right to the point. He met a woman at the well. She's there. He's there. He doesn't run around the bush. He doesn't try to avoid the common question. But he just says, where is your husband? Uh, well, the uh, guy I'm with, I'm not married to. Right? But he's my he's my partner in life. He's my friend. He's... Jesus cuts right to the heart of the issues. And he, he looks at this man and he, he doesn't say anything else. He just says, if I can, are you, are you really serious? You don't know who I am. It's not if I can. The question is, can you? If you can. You see, the question is always on us. If we can believe. I believe that if we believe better, we will get better. If we kind of believe, you're going to kind of get. If you kind of ask, you're going to kind of kind of receive. I believe it's time for us as a church to say, hey, wait a minute. I'm tired of kind of stuff. I'm tired of this and that. I believe what God's word says. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He said it. I believe it. And so when, when this man hears this, 
The Bible says that he immediately says, Lord, I believe. You go, he was loud? Absolutely. In the Greek it means he spewed it out. He could not hold it in. Everybody in church thinks, oh, we got to be quiet. Pastor, calm down. Listen, I can't calm down. I'm overflowing today. I'm excited because God's telling me this week, He's shouting me, it's not about me, Pastor. It's about you. Pastor, do you believe? Well, I do believe. But, help my unbelief. What? Another contrast. On the one hand, I believe. Spewing it out. I believe, I believe, I believe. On the other hand, I don't believe. I believe you can do it for Paul. I believe you can do it for others, but not for me. I believe you can do it for Wanda. I believe you can do it for Jennifer. I believe you can do it for, for, for Bill, but not me. Yeah. The if is on you. Father, do you believe? I believe. Have you ever had that quandary? Where you believe and yet you don't? Yeah. I believe Jesus can. But, on the other hand, you see, we want to blame somebody. Well, the, let's blame the pastor. He's not preaching good enough. He's not praying hard enough. I asked him to pray for me and nothing happened. It didn't say if the pastor believes. It didn't say if the church board believes. It didn't say if the Sunday school teachers believe or the people on Facebook believe. People on your Instagram and Twitters believe. No, no. If you believe. One-on-one, -on -one, eyeball to eyeball. I don't see the scribes. I don't see the crowd. I don't see the disciples. It's not about any of them. Listen to me, Father. Do you believe? I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. It happens to all of us. I have it happen in my life. I've told you before, if I'm the one beside the hospital bed, I've got all the faith in the world for you. But if I'm the one in the hospital bed, sometimes I go, I know God, but... We all have those moments. We all have those moments. And what do we need? In that moment, we need Jesus to do something. So Jesus says, bring me the boy. They bring the boy to Jesus. And here's what happens when the Spirit saw Jesus. When that evil Spirit saw Jesus. Aren't, Satan just messes up all the time. Satan displayed his power with the staff and the snake with Moses. Remember that? Satan displays his power. He, he throws the boy down right in front of Jesus. He's trying to display, this is how powerful I am. And Jesus speaks. 
doesn't shake him, doesn't come over and go, okay, we got to go through steps one, two, three, four, because that's the four. He speaks. I'm telling you today, when God speaks, it has power, it has anointing, and things will happen. And I believe today at PCA that God is speaking into your heart and to my heart. I believe there's things in our lives that need to get mended. There's things in our lives where I don't need another song. I don't need another speech. I don't need another fellowship. I, I need Jesus. I've got to touch Him today. I've got to get to Him because He's the only one that can do anything for my situation. He's the only one. I've tried everything else. He throws him on the ground and, and Jesus speaks and he says, Come out of him. And the spirit shrieks. How many church people be gone right about then? I don't want to be in that church service. He shrieks and he comes out. And then don't you love it when everybody around it just acknowledges a miracle? Well, he killed him. <laughs> At least he was alive throwing himself in the fire and water. Now he's dead. Jesus killed him. We saw it right there in front of our eyes. And Jesus goes, wait a minute. He's not dead. What you see is not what reality is. What happens when what you believe does not look like what you see? Because sometimes what we see will affect what we believe. And they saw a dead boy. Jesus said, he's not dead. Remember the young girl that they thought was dead too? They were in the front room crying. Oh, having a mourning situation. And Jesus walks in and goes, what's going on? Oh, she's in the other room. She's dead. Really? Because according to my watch, she's just taking a nap. It's nap time. He goes in and brings her out alive. Sometimes our faith gets destroyed because of what we see. Don't let your seeing mess with your believing. Because what we see sometimes is not what the reality is. We've got to understand that God is at work causing all things to work together for good to them that love the Lord. God's wanting somebody to step up and to spew out, Lord, I believe, I believe the word that nothing is impossible with God. That all things are possible to him that believes. I believe that. I will jump up and testify. I will speak out for you when no one else is speaking out. And so he asked the boy, do you believe? No. The boy is not the issue. He asked the father. The boy is the one throwing himself in the fire, right? But he asked the father, do you have faith to believe for your household? Wow. Do you have the faith to believe for your son to be healed? The father has a faith problem, not the boy. Not the boy. Men, today it's time for us to have faith. Fathers, it's time for us to bring our families to Jesus. And it's time for us to stand up and say, I have faith for my wife. I have faith for my kids. I have faith for my marriage. 
I know it looks like it's going to pieces, but I've got faith that God can mend it. I've got faith in my kids. I know right now they're, go, they're going crazy. But God, I've got faith because your word says train them up. And I'm doing that. I've got faith for my finances today. I know I've got nothing in the bank and it looks bad. But I've got faith. You told me that if I'm faithful over a small thing, you will make me ruler over many. Your word declares that when I bring my tithe into the storehouse, that it will come back to me, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will come back, cast your bread on the water. It will come back. God, I believe. It's not what I see. It's not what it looks like. What does the word say? Fathers, we've got to step up and say, hey, it is time for me to have faith for my family. No excuses. Listen, no excuses. Well, I know, Pastor, but I don't know. No. The kind of faith that stops making excuses. The kind of faith that stops blaming the church and society. Well, society's doing this to my family. Stop. Have faith. Believe that God can turn it around. Stop. Have faith. Because when Jesus speaks, He displays His power. Satan will display his power and try to get you confused. I'm sure that father was also looking at his son. He's beating his head against the ground. He said he's been thrown into the fire. He's thrown into the water. Jesus, I've tried everything. I need help. And all of a sudden, this boy's thrown on the ground again. He's probably thinking, oh man, here we go again. It's not working. Then Jesus speaks. And i got to tell you, he's speaking in this place today. Are you hearing what he is saying to you? Let him, who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. The Spirit of the Lord is saying to this church, it is time for us to believe for the impossible. It's time for us to believe that nothing is impossible with God. I really believe that. Well, that, that goes good in a message. No, 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 no. I'm not having a message or sermon for you today. I'm telling you the word of God. Nothing shall be impossible to him that believes. But Pastor, nothing shall be impossible to him that believes. But I've been to all kinds of doctors. I've been to all kinds of financial seminars. And, well, why are you faithful to things that don't work? You see, the three disciples on the mountain with Jesus, the nine got caught without Jesus. Today, we cannot get caught without Jesus. Christ is in you. You never get caught without Jesus. Jesus is always there. Emmanuel, he can speak into every situation and bring life and health. Where the enemy's trying to bring destruction and death, he can bring life back into you. So today, the question is, do you believe? It's time for us to stop going, well, yeah, I believe. Spew it out, I believe. The Greek is so powerful. It's like I can't hold it in. I believe. Anybody here need God today? Anybody here need God to come into a situation in your life, in your family's life, that says, hey, this thing is out of control. This thing's, what, it's what I've done is not working. I believe today it's going to be different. 
Because God spoke it into my heart. Yes, yes. He's asking you and he's asking me, not if I can, mm -hmm. but can you stand with me today? Can you believe? What are you believing for? What are you believing for today? You know what the tragedy would be? The tragedy would be coming to church and absolutely believing for nothing. I came today with things that I'm believing for. I am believing that we are going to reach this city for the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it. The pastor, you haven't lived in Parker long enough. And you don't understand the, the grip that drugs and alcohol has on this city. And you don't understand the grip that divorce has on this city. And you don't understand the grip that gambling has on this city. And you don't understand the grip of sin and the effect. You don't. I don't. I don't need to understand that. I need to know the Word. And the Word says He will bring down, tear down every stronghold. I believe it. What do you believe? Fathers today, you're here on Father's Day. I need some fathers who say, Pastor, I believe. I'm going to step up for my family today. I'm going to stand up for my family today. And I believe there's things in my family that only God can do. And today, I'm going to step up and step out and believe for it. Are there some men in this house today that will step out and come to the front and say, Pastor, I'll defend Jesus. I'll step up and say something for Him. I'll step out and say, Hey, I know in whom I have believed. I know what He's done in my life. I will stand up for Jesus today. Come on, men. Come on, ladies. It's time. Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.